Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bob Scott, who is a regional sales director for Primus Mortgage Network. Bob is fondly known within the Primus Network and he's known for his positive attitude and loves working with people who want to help themselves in their business. So today is going to be a little bit different to the normal podcast because normally it's really focused around social media, but Bob is an expert in creating businesses, building up that structure, whereas some mortgage brokers may not have run a business before. So I'm really looking forward to getting into the depths of that and what a business looks like, what processes and structures um, can help people, but then also touch a bit on social media and how it can play a part in their success. So please remember that all of this information from Bob is from somebody who has over 25 years experience in the financial services sector and working in businesses. So take as many notes as you can and listen up. There's going to be some great stuff on here. I can feel it already. I can see Bob smiling because he knows how much, uh, how much he's going to talk about. So Bob, thank you very much for coming on. Having a good day so far? Yeah. Much, Chris, for having us. Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. Busy as anything, which is great. Which Towards is the way you want to be if you're in business, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And what we'll get into that as well, because you've got some some pretty big targets this year, haven't you, for recruiting in terms of mortgage brokers? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Both within the network and also then outside with the firms that I work with on what their aspirations are for growth as well, which is just probably the biggest year, potentially the biggest year ever, which is great. Awesome. So I wanted to start, just give us an insight of what your normal day-to-day role looks like at the minute. I'm glad to say the Zoom calls have slowed down. <laughs> um, much as I love them, uh, we're starting to get like the old meeting meetings as such where people talk forever. Um, so they're, they're getting less and the ones that we do have are a bit more at the point, which is great. Um, but my day can be anything from one Zoom to six. Um, telephones, probably take take or make 50 telephone calls a day. Good. I about that. Um, and then the last three months, we keep an average on because we, we carry on between some of the RSDs uh, on our daily average for emails. And I've cur- I'm currently at 187 emails per day that I receive. Um, sort of thing so, at the end of every day then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Then, as I say, at least every single day, there'll be part of the time based around recruiting, either directly or helping other firms recruit. Cool. So could you explain in a nutshell what you do um, for Primus? Because you're, we were talking about this before you came on the podcast. Your aim is kind of to bring companies from 25 brokers or protection advisors up to 100 within this year, aren't you? I've got, yeah, I've got some of the firms that are doing that. I mean, just because of the background, my own background with having businesses myself in the past, mm-hmm. built businesses, so uh, had management buyouts, all sorts of different things. So I was, I was heavily involved with that market in any case. That's the sort of experience I bring when I'm talking to um, the lads and lasses and the EOs that, that I work with. So I'm a, although I'm a regional sales director within Primus at the moment, um, because of my background when I came on, um, although I structurally I look after the northeast and Yorkshire in particular, mm-hmm. I've never been restricted there. 
Um, the sales director, Rich Coulson, always allowed us free. Um, and basically now I still work with some firms in London, Liverpool, Manchester, um, and plenty of places in between, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so I bring the, I bring the experience of, of structure and businesses and foundations of businesses because every AR and every advisor starts at the same place. Yeah. You have to be able to, after a period of time, you have to be able to work with them for a little while then identify who's, the, who's got the, the hunger, mm-hmm. the aptitude to an extent as well, Chris, that want to go after something bigger and stronger. And then you help them build the structure, you help them build the foundations, get them right. Because as I say, you can give everybody the same information, but not everybody will do it right. For the, those that do it, then they just start growing. So I've currently I'm working with six firms within all the firms that I work with. At this moment in time, who all have aspirations of up to 100 advisors, which That's is just brilliant. Cool. And they currently have the smallest one currently has about 20 advisors, the largest one currently has probably about 40. So there's a lot of growth still to do, and they're hoping to get there by the end of the year. So it's going to be a busy year, mate. It'll be a busy one. I'm excited to get into the staffing side of parts in, in a bit because that, that really interests me. Of because I speak to brokers on a daily basis and they're talking about should I take an admin staff on? Am I busy enough to take a broker? So I'm interested to get into that. But what would happen if I came to you and I said, right, Bob, I'm at the stage, I've got a couple of staff and by the end of the year, I want to be at 50, 50 staff. What are the first things? Because you talk about structures and painting pictures. What yeah. would all that mean? And what would be the first steps for me setting up a brand new business like that? If you've got the... If you've got the structure to start with, where you're talking there, where you've already got a couple of people, what I tend to do is come in, even to the point with some of the firms, nobody um, who wants us to do it, so I'll only do it for the people that want want to do it. Yeah. I'll actually come in and see who they're working with first, who they've got there, because obviously you've got to have the right team around you, whether that's one more person or 10 people around you. You've got to have the right people. Um, it's, it's almost like everybody has to pull in the same direction at the same time. And then there afterwards, I'll look at how the management system works, how the reporting system works, what their uh, target system might be. If they've, you know, if they've got people that are on from an advisor point of view, mm-hmm. uh, I look with a great respect on some of them. I even look at the P and Ls uh, because obviously, quite often it does involve some investment. I'm not a big believer in trying to, set, to, to spend other people's money. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but there is sometimes investment that, that that's needed. So it's really trying to see who the team is, where we're starting that from the basis, what else we need there. Because quite often if somebody says, you know, um, I want to run 20 people, 50 people, I say, fantastic. Who's going to run them? Who's going to manage them? Because quite often principals will say themselves, and they might be able to get away with it for a period of time, but it'll only be for a period of time and for a certain number of people. Now, it might be that they'll look after six people and start falling over. It might be that, you know, they're really well organised and they could eventually look after 10, 20 people and still manage that day-to-day stuff. But there will be a tipping point. You need somebody then to run the team. Because if you run the business, lots of people think it's dead easy to run the business. I speak to lots of advisors who want to set their own business up. Always happy to help them do that. But I go through the process of explaining that run the business is not as easy as quite seems. Doesn't mean that as soon as you start a business, you can buy a new Mercedes as an example. It's a common common fallacy. So, so coming back to that, 
it's it's who who he's got round him or who she's got round them, mm-hmm. and then who what else we need there, what stage we will need to bring other people on to help with those building blocks. But it all comes down to structures, report, and how you control people and your numbers. That's what exactly what it is. That's what it always comes down. And I suppose you've done that across the board. Have you just dealt with financial services business in the past? Or have you dealt with other businesses as well? I came When I came into financial services 25 years ago, I actually, I dare say, I tried to re- retire in 2000. Far too young, far too young. I lasted six weeks. I lasted, I hated it. I, I came back into, into business uh, with my brother-in-law, um, who was... Um, and well, well, was, but he's still in the game. Uh, financial director for some big companies, uh, multinational companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went into business and, and we started to work within businesses, primarily about profit and loss. Uh, management accounts, he's, he's actually published as far as management accounts and things like that's concerned. He's just, he's just been converted into where uh, Mandarin so he's over the moon. So they're now reading them in China, which is great. So for, for a couple of years, we did that and we were working with all sorts of firms. But the basis of it was sales. Because at the end of the day, I appreciate that it's slightly different, but the journey is slightly different. You could be selling, you know, a paper clip. You could be selling a telephone. The, the concept of sales still comes into being. So I used to, he used to focus more on the management account, how they were structured. And all the rest of it, and tax, and all the rest of it. And I was more more to do with the profit and loss, and the people side of things. Yeah, it was always interesting. So they were all, all big international companies outside of financial services. So we had a couple of years doing that. Unfortunately, I'm saying unfortunately, he's quite he's still quite pleased, although he's been stuck at home for the last year. Um, Laura was starting to move to the Middle East, where mm-hmm. we, we had contracts to go and literally to to present to people from across the globe oil companies and things like that um loads of different companies over the years yeah he's just been used to doing all that for years flying all over the world and that wasn't what i wanted to do i think a lot of people listening to this hearing about you're obviously the guru in setting up businesses and helping businesses run so i bet you the one question that they're thinking and i hear this a lot is when should i hire my second advisor because a lot of people have been really busy these last eight to 12 months. Mm. What is, what stage is it? Do I hire somebody when I'm quiet and build them up or do I hire somebody when I'm at my full capacity? And I don't know if it's as straightforward an answer as that, but could you give us a bit of a, like shed a bit of light on that? Yeah. Well, to me, it, it, there's two sides to it, to be honest, Chris. Um, there's two two reasons why you should, or you should be looking advise on. First and foremost is the obvious one, when you're starting to fall over or squeak. Or just before you get there in reality. Yeah. You didn't see it coming. Or you should be able to see it coming. Um, and the second one is basically, it, it, it's a strange to an extent, is that the answer is any time, providing the person that's coming in doesn't need feed it, feeding if you can't feed them. Right. So, you know, quite often you'll find that businesses grow because people will meet up at, I don't know, a forum, a conference, something like that. And there might be, you know, individual advisors elsewhere or they're just two one-man bands or something. We'll see them coming together. But other times it's just, you know, when you get the opportunity, we've got, we've got a situation in the moment with the marketplace. Lots of people are being made sadly redundant by the banks 
and films and sites, primarily the banks from a financial services background point of view. Lots of them are looking to get into places and quite often they've got, you know, a lot of um, from the past. So under those circumstances, providing you don't have to feed them, you get on with them, you structure your deal right, bring them in straight away. So they're the two main reasons. As long as somebody, if they feed themselves, bring them in now. Yeah. Or the other, as I say, the alternative is when you start squeaking yourself. I think one word that we revert back to, which you said before we started recording, was the, the aptitude of somebody as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, people might might aspire to building a big distribution, but unless it, unless they've either got the attitude and the aptitude to put it in place, because it's two totally different things, as you know, Chris, because obviously you're involved heavily with businesses yourself. Um, it's all well and good saying, I want to do this. But can you do it? First off, this has got to be right. Then in reality, you've got to have the back to, to, to carry it. And that, that, there's two totally different sides to it. Um, Especially if it's going to be somebody that is going to feed themselves. Because the last thing you want to do is to take on an advisor that thinks they're going to sit there and just lap up the, the wage every month. Whereas you yeah. need somebody that's quite driven. So it's quite interesting that it's just that's a conversation I have a, with a lot of people is they're kind of, oh, you speak to so-and-so. When did they take on their for their second broker? So I think that'll be really useful for people. And you're you're a big fan when people are running their businesses because it can be lonely if you're a one-man band to start with. Why is it important to have a sounding board and why, why should we listen to our peers in terms of in terms of mortgage brokers? Um, I think I think from a sounding board, especially if you have any aspiration, mm -hmm. okay. If your aspirations, any growth in any way, it's ideal and I, I would say beneficial to anybody and everybody um, to have somebody independent almost uh, that you can talk to. Um, I'll, I'll put a quick caveat in there, Chris, because I would come and talk to you because you've done it and you've got the T-shirt and everything. So I've been quite surprised the last couple of years, for whatever reason, financial services seem, seem awash with them at the moment. There's lots of people about that want to come and tell you how to run your business. Um, and it's a lesson I learned years ago when I had my own businesses. I had like 12 offices across the UK. And every place we opened something new, uh, the local council would invariably get in touch and say, we want Jimmy to come and see you or whoever. So, oh yeah, who's that? He's our business department. He's going to help grow your businesses. And I, I was a bugger for it. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> I was a bit of a bugger for it. And I used to like lead them on. So I thought it was quite funny. I shouldn't have done it. I appreciate it. I said, oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Let's have a look at my diary. I'm really excited. You know, all the usual sort of stuff. That's it. I'd, got, I'd even get it to the date and things like that. And I'd say, so just before, just before I go, can you just tell us which businesses did he own? And then there'd always be like a pregnant pause. And go, what do you mean? So, well, what businesses did he own? Which business did, did he grow? And he owned it himself. And did he sell? You know, as he still run them? And then people... Oh, well, no, no. He's been to university, been to college. <laughs> and I'm saying, so you're trying to send somebody that's never run a business before to come and tell me who does run business, how to run a business. And you see, and I said, I've just taken that out of the diary. Thanks for your time. And hang on, I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. I was a bugger when I was younger. Um, if for every branch for 12 branches, I can imagine all the different councils. Oh, it's this bloke Bob again. That's what it would be like. <laughs> just, just listen to or find a peer Listen to peers, definitely, um, and see if you can find somebody to sound, sound, sound off to at a time that has an outside view of your business. 
Uh, but don't talk to anybody that has about your business if you've never run a business before. The you as you're talking about there is is a mentor essentially do you speak to people about mentors um yeah 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 again i, I sort of extent i suppose what I, a lot of what i do would probably be classed as that sort of role in any case so if i ever want to go up and set up me on i might set up as a mentor or something or a business coach or something yeah um i suppose that a lot of the stuff that i do is that but again um I, you know, I speak to some of the lads and lasses and they say, oh, I'm taking a business coach on or somewhere. And again, I'll say, right, that's great. But find out one of two things. Have they run a business? I was just talking about alternatively, which companies have they worked with? Because people, have, I appreciate people have got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say, find out which business have run. Speak to the, the, the guys who own that or those and get their feedback, you know, because... Um, as I say, you, you, if you're going to spend time listening to anybody, just spend time listening to somebody that can help you. Exactly. If you think about it from if if you're a mortgage broker yourself, you want to shout to your customers about how you've saved somebody money and testimonials. So then when yeah. you are hiring a business coach, you should be looking for that same information. Like you say, go and source people that have run a business or have sold up are they successful in what they've done or have they run five businesses into the ground and that's there are people like that about strangely <laughs> enough you know but people we, we take so much on face value these days without checking up on people it, it, it's a bit crazy really when you think about it end of the day there's an old saying about fools and money are easily parted and i just and because some of these people will come in they say oh, i've taken i say okay what are they doing they're normal sort of pack. And then i find out they're paying them like two grand a month, three grand a month for like an hour session on a Wednesday or something stuff like that or every other week. I'm going, how long is the contract? Give us a look at the contract. Like, you know, <laughs> crazy, crazy. Yeah, into it, look into it. There's a lot of good people about though. There's some great people about as well that are helping people as well. And the Just thing is, the good, the good ones will always stand the test of time as well. Yeah. I mean, for example, yourself, without you being on this podcast, I would say if, if somebody's been in that business for 25 years they're doing something right because they couldn't keep going for 25 years if, no. they, if they didn't no. you do have these fly-by-night people and social media has allowed that the con artists to reach more people than they did before unfortunately i've seen a lot of i remember going to a um it was like one of these talks probably about four or five years ago now and it was this woman who was a branding specialist and she was talking about how to brand yourself. And there were some really good points in there. Took a lot from yeah, it. Yeah. And then at the end, she went, if you want to go to the back of the room and sign up to my course, I was thinking, oh, this might be quite good. I've reduced it from six grand to three grand. I was like, three grand? She hadn't run any businesses in the past. And like you say, everybody can start somewhere. But if you're that good, why are you not offering it for me for free for a testimonial to show me how good you are? Then yeah. I'll sing your praise. And you could maybe go in at 1500 but... Like you said, at two or three grand a month, this was a three grand one-off course. And I I just saw it was a scam and too many people are doing it now, unfortunately, getting caught yeah. up with it. Such yeah. a shame. But in terms of the business, so talking about, we talked about hiring people and finding the right people, but yeah. how do you work around people or, or replace people if, if worse does come to the worst? Well, it, it does happen, unfortunately, because quite often people will set away working with people mm-hmm. day one. Um, and I just 
and it's normally on the basis of that they're pals, that they're friends. Oh, okay. Um, and vast majority of times that I've ever had the experience of that, they never stand the test of time. So I think if ever you're going to work with, with somebody, I've got, I've got two firms at the moment. I'm not saying who they are. People, if anybody knows us, they'll know who I'm talking about. Two firms, two great lads who are best pals. And I first met them six years ago. And they want to set up business together. And I says, so you're best pals? Yeah, we're best pals. I said, just trust us on this. I says, I'll set you up separately. I says, and if in six months time, you still want to work together, I'll put you together. And I says, okay, then okay. I said, just trust us. So in any case, so six years were down the line. Um, within the network in any case, so we know I turn over millions of pounds each. That's how big they are now. Yeah. Massive, yeah. the pair of them. But they don't work together. They're still best pals because I said to them, do you still want to be best pals or do you want to lose being best pals? Um, and, it, <laughs> and so that, that's what happens because in reality, you've got you've, if you're going to work with somebody, you've got to know You've got you've got to almost be like opposites. It's a, I suppose it's a bit like a, a marriage in, in itself. Yeah. Because you've got to you've got to be able to bounce off each other. You've got to be able to have friends and things like that. Um, two two exactly the same people in any business just doesn't work because they're both expecting something different of each other, even though they think the same. Okay. So quite often I come across a, a business that will come together. Um, again, I, I worked with a company I, years and years ago. I was in touch with one of them just recently, one of the partners. And I went down to see them years ago. They're in the South Coast. They're still there. And they had a massive big room between them. And one sat at one end of the room and one sat at the other. And all the business and every all the people were downstairs in another office. And they didn't even speak to each other. It had gone past the point where they didn't speak to each other. Yeah. And they wouldn't even take a call for each other. And eventually if they did have to speak to each other, they rang each other from across the office and it was just it was sad it was like funny but it was just so sad so in reality if you find yourself in that position you have to make that decision you either have to find a common ground talk to each other or what who's going to do what so you can work with each other and just get on with your daily daily work uh, alternatively if you're the go-getter because eventually there'll always be somebody that doesn't keep up with the other one Mm-hmm. doesn't want doesn't have the same aspirations as the other one so that person if they don't want to try to get out of it then at that point they're going to have to find a way just to work work around them and leave them behind and again i've, I've worked with firms over the over the years where it's been two or three directors have just literally been sent home and they just sit at home and take their daily bread sort of thing and one will just direct the business and take it forward or alternatively if you learn if you if you find out that you are not compatible in business I suppose a bit like marriage, you can't put a sticky plaster over it. You can't peel it. You have to then part very, very quickly. And if you are working together, then, you know, you will see very quickly, literally within weeks, it'll come up. You'll start seeing cracks. And all I would say, a bit sooner rather than later, because later just, it'll, it'll kill both of you. Have you, um, have you read the book, The E-Myth Revisited? Uh, no. No, it was exactly what you spoke about there. It was, it tells a story about two brothers that set up a business. Right. And exactly like you say, it's quite hard, especially family compared to friends. And what they did is at the beginning, they set themselves up agreements to say, this is what's expected of me. These are the roles I'm going to fill. And then this is what's expected of me. And then they have something to show that 
you're going to be looking after this side and you're going to be looking after this side. It was just interesting that you, you said that it was quite similar to what they talk about in the book. Yeah. Yeah. It might not work out if you are relying on an agreement, but it's something in place to say that these are my roles compared to we'll just see how it goes kind of thing. Yeah. No, to be honest, Chris, I hope you don't mind us admitting it here on this because I don't don't know how you these normally run. No. I just don't read inspirational books whatsoever. Oh yeah, never have, never will, and it's horrible because if if the lads are watching us from Primus because they're they're right into all of this, I don't read Relentless. I don't have. I go out every morning. I'm up at crack of dawn. I'm out six o'clock every single morning, or at least two two and a half mile, and I listen to music. That's always been my driver. Is it music, what, even in the, the headphones at the minute? Then what music? Uh, in the headphones. Music, no, no, it's awful, man. Anything from core play, everything's on a shuffle. Core play, the Urban Voodoo Machine, Old Old Revox, um, anybody and everything. Madness. <laughs> listen, I've got forty years worth of music, mate, to listen to. So. Yeah, I just you couldn't print on it. I'm glad you said that though, because from the inspirational book side of things, I mean, I read them. I know, I know a lot of people that do read them. But yeah, yeah, it just shows that you don't. You've obviously done it off. I don't want to. This is not derogatory, but making maybe mistakes in the past and learning from the mistakes, and you haven't taken anybody else's advice on board. You've got stuck in and done it, and it just shows that you don't have to be a fan of those books to be successful. Not at all. No, no. no. I read, the only bit I ever do read is numbers and stats. So I'm a big believer in that. Uh, but no, motivational stuff, just, I've just never done myself. But you're absolutely right, Chris. It's, it would be dead easy for anybody to come in here and say, I've got this fantastic business, or fantastic business, and we'll never ever say, but I had these four businesses that didn't work and I had to wind them up. Yeah. Or mm. something like that. Because you'll learn just as much, if not more, with the greatest respect, from, from, from following a business pursuit where you, you, it doesn't become the success that it potentially could. The other thing as well for successful people, and you know this yourself, Chris, is that you'll get more and more opportunities come at you, you know, in different spheres. It'll, it'll almost always have some sort of tenuous level you're doing at that point. But as, as financial services, an example, and I know some of the younger lads I'm working with now, they've started to go down this route because of things that I learned in the past. I mean, at, at one point, I think I had, we had something like 20 businesses at various levels, because people were coming, even though our core business was financial services, other people would come with an idea. It was and say, Bob, what do you think about this? And I'll say, fantastic, I'll set it up, you run it, and we'll fund it and things like that. And some worked, some didn't. Yeah. But it, it was literally anything and everything that spun up there, from, from a conservatory company, one extreme, to an accountancy company, which worked brilliantly, to uh, um, an in property investment company, which worked well, so there's always things, the more successful you become, the more opportunities will come your way, which yeah. is great as well. But they're not all going to work. They're just not all going to work. I remember uh, reading something years ago, and it was kind of that you'll have three businesses that fail before you actually succeed at one. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know about failing, but I think I think it would probably be along the lines of potentially one failing, and then if you, unless you're a lunatic, um, and then two <laughs> not doing as well as the big one that will come along and, and define you. I yeah. definitely agree with that. I, yeah. I, had, I had several different businesses, in, not in this field, but yeah. like internet kind of um, companies. And yeah. it was two, there was two of them that didn't do very well before I launched this. But yeah. you learn from what doesn't work there. And 
you was talking it was actually a partnership in one of them and that didn't work because two people were expecting two completely different things from each other so absolutely exactly what you've spoken about so that's a lot like to talk that about the business i could talk about that forever i love talking business i'm not really an analytical person but i like talking about the ideas behind creating it now obviously a lot of people listen to this because of social media how do you or what have your successful brokers done on social media and what social media channels are they using to really succeed in their business at the minute it's, it's a great one because it's almost like the, the old marketing question, really. We used to know that something, well, depending on who you talk to, marketing companies used to tell you 50% of marketing works. Other people that told the truth used to say 20% of marketing works. But both of them couldn't tell you which of the 20% yeah. or the 50% actually worked. So it's the same now. We did some stats at the end of the year that suggested that 20% of all financial services originated through social media last year wow. just couldn't tell you which but i have got guys now of, of the, the great thing for me is that when i took over the regions i look after now the average age of the advisors was probably about 50 52 right with all the growth that we've done and the teams i've worked with now over the last six years in particular the average age of all the lads and lads, it's probably eight times bigger about eight times bigger i think Actually, just redistribute some away from me because of the numbers, but it's about eight times bigger than where I started at. But wow. now the average age is about 33, which is just brilliant. So I've got advisors that are starting a 20 year old, you know, which is just great. So they brought with it all their aspirations and all their love of social media in any case. Um, so I've got people who do lots on social media, I still with the greatest respect, some of the older lads and lasses. And we take them, Mickey. I'm not speaking out of turn. Uh, I don't want to do it and you know they're happy where they are and the business are great so they don't need it uh, but I've got an, another firm as an example who you know between a couple turned over half a million pound last year and every last bit of their business came through Facebook so I've got one extreme to the other Chris but anybody who thinks now that they've got a long term or even a medium term in our business in financial services if they're not in the media they're fooling themselves they are they're kidding themselves it's a long time as you as you said those your brokers that are a bit older is it that they are they going to be in business in 10 15 20 years time maybe not hopefully retired and out of the business but as you said these 20 year olds that are coming into the business they've got a good 40 years ahead of them in that business so yeah. they do need to and like you said they have adapted to it and use social media but kind of bought that into the business and the way that you work is you like to connect a lot of brokers together don't you you like everybody to speak and that can help yeah. I think because you've got the mixture of your um, older brokers that can give the experience to the youngsters but the yeah. youngsters then are they can stand their own ground and say well let me try and teach you some best practices on social media and that, that's the I think that's the best synergy you can have for you as a, an RSD Absolutely, mate. Uh, and I think it came bizarrely that I was trying to find the right ways to say this because there was a lot of positives came out of last year mm -hmm. and a year of pandemic, you know, and, and I'm not sort of putting down the fact that there people lost people, people died. That, that side was awful. From a business progression point of view, there was a huge amount of good came out of that for the people who want to, want to take advantage of it. 
No, I was watching a, an interview with the head of Cisco for Europe. Okay. And he was saying in the first four weeks of the first lockdown last March, April time, Cisco were able to bring forward four years of future planning in technology in four weeks. And that sort of just summed it up. But we used, I mean, we used Zoom, which was just brilliant. And it was great when people said, oh, this is fantastic news, new, new Zoom and everything. You know, and most people didn't know. I think it'd been out 15 years at that point. You know, it'd been about what we all were jumping on. But I think what, how it also helped as well is that I sort of made sure that I kept all the principles on Zoom meetings, for example, for the, and I have still done for the last year. In fact, I've just sent out the, the next lot, which is the end of this month. Every single month last year, all the principals that got on Zoom calls in four different regions. And uh, because every, every last one of them last year had a little bit of a wobble at some point, regardless of age, regardless of experience, because obviously we just didn't know what the hell was going to happen. At one point, everybody thought I was going to die. You know, so from that point of view, we kept it all focused. And it was just great because some of the older ones were helping the younger ones every time they had a wobble. Everybody knew that they weren't in it by themselves. Everybody was facing the same challenges, whether it was business, whether it was relationships, whether it was development, whatever it happened to be. And it just, it, 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 it's changed everything. And if anybody thinks that, I love when people talk about, oh, we'll get back to normality. This is the normality. Yep. This is the, yep. I've got firms who, to be honest, Chris, hated it in the middle of last year, hated all this sort of technology who had always done face-to-face. And they were saying, I kind of, I, I hate this, Bob. As soon as we get the chance to get back out, we're going to be back out with seeing everybody. Now we had the third quarter, if you remember, although there was some social distancing and things like that, where we could actually go out and see people or they could, could do it. And then I kept stats with, with those firms that had only ever done face-to-face. And then after the three months, when we did when we did the analysis, over 60%, over 60% of the clients themselves didn't want to face-to-face. They were saying they're quite happy to do the business, but they want to do it by telephone, even old Skype, FaceTime, as well as Zoom and all the rest of it, you know, or, or Microsoft Teams or whatever it happened to be. Yeah. 60% mate, wow. of clients didn't want to see them and they were desperate to get back out. So their, their models change whether they like it or not. I've got other businesses who used to be just face-to-face who will never again their model has changed now completely whereby they'll then go forward they'll only do it by telephone off or something like this a platform like this and then only if somebody specifically says oh do you not come and see us they'll maybe then go and see them by exception but definitely not by the rules so it's completely changed man it's on his head and everybody's working from home sitting on sitting on social media and that's where everybody's had to adapt to it haven't they and yeah. and you've done the same thing you've become quite big on linkedin haven't you you've become a lot more personal like creating this personal brand on linkedin how important do you think that is now compared to what it was 12 months ago well to be honest with you i mean i was i was i absolutely accept and believe and and admit to the fact that i was behind the curve um i, I say it with with you know genuine feeling that it didn't bother us at that time being behind the curve because it other parts of my life and success and my own businesses and all the rest of it. So I didn't have to. But when I saw everything that was, as you rightly say, the build-up of last year, I thought it was a good platform. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I was quite happy to share some things with, with people that I don't necessarily work with. Um, and even today, you know, I, I talk to people outside the network, which is absolutely brilliant. I don't mind. 
um, whether it's their position, how they how they're grown. If they want to grow, I'm more than happy to talk to people in any. Um, but it just made sense. The only thing that I would say from Christmas, and Chris, you'll know better than I do, mate, because you'll look at it more than I actually I do. Um, there's so much rubbish on there. Sorry, guys, if anybody's putting <laughs> some rubbish out, but every now and again I'll go in, and quite often I'll just, you don't have, don't go on unless you've got something to say, yeah, something <laughs> meaningful or or even a funny. You know, I don't even mind watching the odd person having a dance or a sing, just the odd one, but not if that's all. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's, it's bizarre. Everybody's like thinking they're a star now. You know, I I struggle because I, I don't do scripts for them or anything like that. I'll, I'll maybe have an idea. And I've got a young lad that does some of the stuff for us because he looks after some of the other firms up here in the northeast. Canny kid, and I thought oh, I'd give him a chance. And I keep sending some. I just you say, oh, I'll put it on for you, Bob. And that's that. So there's no planning to it, mate. On the fact I was behind the curve, but there's some people doing some really good stuff. Um, yeah, there is. Really that, that proves there that you just said you don't have to have a script. It's just shooting from the hip, isn't it? And if you aren't confident, I can say yes, it probably will be tough. But those bits of content and those videos, those photos, those written posts of just being you will always win over something that's scripted. Yeah, I think so, mate. I think so. I just hope eventually that it doesn't get lost. The good stuff didn't get lost in the avalanche. Yeah. Um, I have to say again, since since the new again, it's been around a long time. TikToks, people who are being successful on the back of ten seconds, twenty seconds. I think it's amazing. I love it. I love watching them because they just, but they're just getting over a point. Yeah. You know, are you insured? Have you got a mortgage? What do you fix it? Whatever it happens to be, they're just getting over one simple message, and you know, it's brilliant. I, I love seeing that. Just a different um, medium, isn't it? It's it is. Everything changes, as we said. So social media, that's a big thing. Now, this is the part where, I mean, I really like this question. It's the strategy question of the podcast I talk, I, I call right. it. So you live up north, don't you? You're northeast. Yeah, yeah. So if you were to move to the very, the bottom south coast of, of England and all you had was a laptop, a mobile phone and an internet connection, what would be the first few things that you do to start a brand new business from scratch? And this is probably going to be the most in-depth answer we've had from anyone because you've got 25 years experience of setting up businesses. <laughs> Absolutely. Can I, can I take some sunscreen as well? Because in the <laughs> south, it's red, like red hot and they've got a sun. Yeah, you're, um, you've had all the snow up there, haven't you, the last few we weeks? We have, we have. It's been good. We had some sun at the weekend, which is lovely. So we saw everybody out with like t-shirts on and their shirt off and it's 10 degrees. <laughs> well, that's what's that's known as. Um, I, th I think the great thing now is that, as you rightly say, armed with, with that, with those three services, you know, it's just, you cannot fail. Well, I've got, yeah, I'm saying you can't fail to, to, to be successful. You can if you don't know what to do. But in reality, if, you've got, if, if your phone's your own, and it's one of the things that we do. We deal with a lot of the people when they're coming in, the new salespeople, and they're new to the market and everything. That oh, where do I get me, me first? You know, potential clients from. And I say, do us a favour, open your phone. How many contacts you got in there? Right. I was on, on one of the course, one of the courses. There was somebody on there with something like six thousand contents. Their contacts, they couldn't all sit on his sim. Or vice versa, because it, it just didn't have the memory. But you had 6,000 contacts. I said, well, there's your starter. But even if you've got, you know, if, you, if you've got a phone and it hasn't got one on, 
you're right to say you need a Wi-Fi. Then you just pick your target audience. It's as simple as that. Take on LinkedIn. I mean, I've got thousands on there. In reality, I don't know it. Um, and every now and again, every time they come up suggestions, if they're anything to do with mortgages for their advisors, anything, I'll always connect. Mm-hmm. I'll try to connect in any case. Um, but even if it didn't have any starting whatsoever, LinkedIn would have to be a starting point from a business point of view, which still is. Okay. These other mediums, I like that. But then you just start looking at whatever mediums you want. But the other thing that I would say is that, you know, when you do reach out to somebody, whether it's a connection on LinkedIn or you then find the, you know, maybe the website or something and a connection on there, an email address, who the gaffer is, who's the, the sales ops, whoever's head of sales, whatever it happens to be, whoever you narrow it down to contact, great sending an email, but just don't expect to, to, to make a, a living on, on the back of emails. People still need to talk, be talked to. You need to talk yeah. to people. So follow it up with a call. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, I, I, I'm still crazy. I, you know, I, I keep, I've always said the same joke that, I'm, that I only wear seven stone. The rest of it is just thick skin. Because I still love making cold calls. I still love getting rejected. It doesn't bother us. It makes us smile. Uh, it makes us feel alive. It's not so good if you had no money and you, you were just starting off, don't get us wrong. The fourth laugh now. Um, but absolutely, who would you not be able to contact now? You had a laptop and Wi Fi. There's just nobody in the world that you can't do it. For a couple of years, years ago, a website company talked about other people, other opportunities came from your way. Because we used to work under, there used to be a national company called Business Link. Mm-hmm. And they used to just sell, they used to just give anybody on a startup three grand. Just no question asked for a six-page website. And we had templates of them, and we could knock them out in two hours. Bloody hell. For three grand a pop. And all it would be is a phrase, and, you know, they could pick the colours, they could pick the font. But there were literally 20 versions of template. And they were just, it was just, it was it was mental. But at the time, we, obviously, we had the stats. And I, I forget, there was something ridiculous, like there was a new website going live every second in the world. You know, and it was just, but everybody automatically thought if they had a website, they would immediately bring traffic in and everything. And we know that that's not the case. And talking about charlatans, there's, there's an example. At the same time, people used to come along and say, we'll get you to the top of Google. We'll get you to the top of all the search Well, we do search engine optimize. And it was a load of bollocks. Yeah. The only way you can get you on a, on a featured page is if you're paying for it. End of story. Unless you want to spend 10 years probably not 10 years, maybe five years at a push and just concentrating on getting links and all the rest of it. You physically can't do it. So anybody listening, somebody comes and tells you you can get to the top of Google for free, they're lying. <laughs> I'm so glad you say that because I, I've been in this industry, I get approached to do SEO and it is something I kind of say, look, I'm, I'm not an expert in it. I hold my hands up. I can help you. But if anybody promises you to get you to the first page of Google in a certain amount of time, no, the line you can't you can't guarantee that no, the good no. companies will turn around and say look we'll work with you and this is where we predict it to be but you can't hold us to it because nobody no. knows the true nobody knows the answer to it really no it, it is it, as you said it's it's charlatans and, and taking advantage of people unfortunately yeah. no no chris i mean you know this in any case it's a shop window which is why people don't need 30 40 page websites at all they need three, four, five, six pages, maybe tops, depending on what the service that they're offered. It's what they do around that to generate the traffic to it. Absolutely. Um, well, I said, people, 
if you're on the yeah. south coast you'd use the likes of linkedin connect with as many local people as possible and cold, cold call local businesses that's how you would start generating leads absolutely absolutely back to the um, calls i'm sure people will love the hearing that <laughs> <laughs> but no they're good uh, to be honest lots of the stuff is is ancient you know lots of lots of how people start the business and i still have business today that start with 100 personal contacts mm-hmm. and we show them how to grow and we've got lads and lasses who are earning six figures now wow you know every every single year just on the basis of starting with the old 100 names Mm-hmm. You know, we painted a different color, Chris, but there's not much new stuff. There isn't. Not when it comes to sales. The mediums have changed dramatically because the mediums are now your telephone, your screen. Absolutely. Website. But the Wi-Fi. Definitely. The mediums have changed, but the concepts of sales haven't. You still have to talk to somebody at some point. You still have to know. For now. Perfect way to end it on, I think. So the mediums have changed, but the sales techniques are still exactly the same. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Bob. I really appreciate Pleasure. it. To finish off the podcast, I always ask um, for a charity that's close to your heart because I'll make a donation of £10 to say thank you for coming. All right. That's a nice touch, mate. I like that. Um, McMillan's. McMillan, yeah. I'll make that. Yeah. I'll be heart Great. On half there bob it's been an absolute pleasure i could have sat here and spoke to you for hours <laughs> to be fair, but uh what i'm gonna probably gonna do is finish recording the, this and have a, a personal chat for the next four hours with bob so <laughs> awesome mate thank you very much for coming on thanks chris appreciate it mate thank you so thank you very much for listening if you feel this podcast brought you any value at all i'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast little five stars and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes we can also connect on social so you can get me on instagram facebook and linkedin all with the handle social for brokers look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all